Welcome to Rocketman Explores, where we voyage forth and delve into the world of sci-fi. But wait a minute! Ah, that's better. So this season, we're going to be exploring alternate universes. What they are, how dark they could be compared to our regular ones, and just what kind of strange, wondrous, and terrible things can be found there. So come and join me on this journey, and we'll all go and find wonder and terror and strangeness together. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Rocket Man Explores. I am your host, The Rocket Man, and I will be doing some exploring. For those of you who are tuning in who were boldly boinking listeners, and I hope that's many of you, uh, this is us changing up the format a bit. We've decided to consciously uncouple from the loving sex-related Star Trek podcast to open ourselves up to new and different topics, perhaps. Although I'm sure there'll still be an innuendo or two and a sexual uh, musing or two that come up. We'll have to see how that happens. And indeed, we could say they, they might come up. There we go. There's your first one right there. So enjoy yourselves with that. Anyhow, this season, we will be focusing on one particular topic. And that topic is alternate universes. As any of you, and I'm sure all of you, know, alternate universes are a massive topic in science fiction. They come up in just about every possible medium of it at some point or another, in books, stories, any, almost any television show that I can think of that is science fiction. Okay, not any of them, but most of them have an alternate universe at some point comes into effect. Our beloved Star Trek, of course, has an absolute ton of alternate universes and its own parallel universe, the Dark Universe, with our lovely swashbuckling Sulu and evil mustachioed, possibly Nazi Spock, and everyone else in between. They're just some great guys. We all have fun hanging out with them. So we will be flying around exploring these alternatives, and that will be the basis of this show. We're going to ask ourselves, why did these stories need to be set in alternate universes? What are all the implications surrounding this particular alternate universe in the episode that we're in? And while we will focus heavily on Star Trek, we're not going to be totally there. We're going to fly around and explore some Doctor Who. We're going to explore some Farscape. We're going to explore some Rick and Morty. There'll be a lot of different places we go this season, so I hope you join me in this adventure. But we're going to start with dipping our toe in the old bath of familiarity, and we're going to start with Star Trek. And with me, I have a very special guest, my mother. Say hello. Hello. This is my mother, Debbie. Uh, I'm not going to give you her social media handles because it's my mother. And statistically, one of you is insane. And so we're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> my mother actually introduced me to Star Trek. I remember watching it with you and dad when Next Generation was on. So in like the early 90s when I was three, four. Yes, exactly. You, you watched it even earlier than that. You just don't remember because you it, were in diapers. Yeah, I was watching it when it first came out. I mean, it came out the same time I was born, right? It was like 87, 88, something like that. Around that, yeah. Yeah, so you guys, you guys were obviously big into Star Trek. We were crazy science fiction fans. Uh, we still are crazy science fiction fans. I just absorb it. I read lots of stuff about Mars, formation of Mars, things, what will Martian society look like if it actually mm. ever implants someone on the planet. So, Were you into the... Uh, I 
pretty sure I know this, but for the benefit of the viewers who are listening to us, the viewers who are listening to us, they're listening with their eyes. Yeah. Were you into the original series? The original Star Trek? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I had an incredible crush on William Shatner. Yes. <sighs> surprise, surprise. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Okay, well then, before we dive into our alternate universe, I have to ask you the age-old question, since you admit to having a crush on Shatner. Picard or Kirk? Kirk. Kirk? Really? Yes. Oh, I'm 100% Picard. Hmm. If I had to sleep with one of them, it'd be Patrick Stewart's shiny head all the way for me. <laughs> uh, but anyway, enough about that. My mother's on the show. We're going to keep it clean, folks. <laughs> so today we are talking about the next generation, probably. I don't think I'm assuming anything when I say your favorite of the Star Treks. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about something right near the end of the run. The uh, Season 7, Episode 11, Episode Parallels. In which Mr. Worf gets knocked through a sort of almost pinball machine of alternate universes. Now, as I'm sure you guys are aware, alternate universes can take many different forms. There's the ones where just everything is different. There's steampunk ones. There's like the there's the ones where everybody's evil, a la most Star Trek ones. This one is a bit different. It's not taking place in the mirror in the traditional mirror universe for star trek the one where everybody's evil and the terran empire is there and they're all terrible it's more based on well how would you describe it as more based on sort of a quantum level understanding of alternate universes. quantum level they're really looking at multiverses i would say multiverses that uh are generated by one simple change in a moment, one simple decision. Yeah, so it's this particular thing is very much focused on sort of butterfly effect style universe changing or like the... I mean, I don't think it's coincidence Jurassic Park came out at the same time with Malcolm talking about the, the chaos theory of one drops that can go anywhere, one small thing can change the entirety of the cosmos. They're sort of They're going with something like that here. So with how we begin is that Mr. Worf is flying home from a Batleth tournament, which, again, let's not talk about Batleths. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Batleths. <laughs> Our listeners know. Uh, so we'll leave it at that. But he's flying home. He's being his typically stern self. He leaves probably the most, like, heinously serious personal log in history. Like, it sounds like he's... It sounds like he's answering questions in court, even though he's recording his diary, which is quite something. Um, and nothing seems to be untoward, but he arrives on the Enterprise, and it's his birthday. They have thrown him a surprise party, and the cake is chocolate, but then the cake is vanilla. And Captain Picard was on the bridge because he couldn't come down, and then Captain Picard is there. And the, no, nothing else is mentioned, but this just occurs, and Worf is sort of slightly perturbed. So what I like about that is that they start with, it's almost a bit of a play on the idea of, well, everything, the butterfly flapped its wings and there's a storm that wipes out Tokyo. The cake goes from chocolate to vanilla and yeah, that's a change, but it doesn't actually affect anything. I mean, realistically, you can say that anything changing will change the universe, but changing a cake's flavor from chocolate to vanilla isn't actually going to change the universe. The universe is different, but it doesn't have any far-reaching consequences. One would think so. Uh, so they'd start very subtly, just with this change of the type of cake. Yep. It's as we go along through the episode, you see that this actually has a very profound change on what's happening to Worf, what's happening to everyone around him. But is it's not the 
cake that is the change. It's He continues to shift through more and more and more universes, and the changes become more noticeable to him over time. Precisely. Yeah. So that occurs, and then we go into more substantial changes. There's a the those dastardly Cardassians attack a relay or they have they've sabotaged a relay, but then he blacks out and he wakes up and there are no Cardassians and there is no relay. And this is when he first starts to have some serious doubts about what it is that's going on. Um also subtly like people's uniforms change, including I noticed they're they're clever and they're more prominent characters change positions in between his blackouts and such, but also Precisely. background uniforms change. The colors that the background people wear in some of the universes is blue, in others is red, and others is green. It all depends on which universe they're yeah, in. Yeah, there's I, even yellow, I think, yeah, in one of the universes. I thought that was very clever. That's a good mm. way of sort of subtly doing that. But these start to happen to him with more severity. He's in engineering, he blacks out, and suddenly he's in tactical, and they're being attacked by a Cardassian ship. That's right. And he, he loses it because you're presented with a very different bridge configuration. Well, very different. It's The changes are pretty subtle, but behind uh, the captain's chair and um, first mate's chair, it's a different looking panel that's set up. Worf uh, stands to a slightly different angle than he did on the original universe that he was in. And then things escalate. Yeah. So... I like that as a thought for sort of almost all alternate universe things go through like either one of two things happen in stories. Either every the people are different or the technology is radically different. They I have I like I like the fact that they're doing a much more sort of like the idea that if there's an infinite number of alternate universes, it means there's almost an infinite amount that are almost exactly the same. There's just very, they go through a lot of very small iterations. So yeah, maybe the console, maybe this button that was there would be there. Maybe this design choice, 150 years ago, someone decided that this wiring should go this way instead of that way and the other one. And now 150 years later, the only difference in these two universes is this button is there. In the assumption of an infinite amount of in the universes, it means there would be two separate ones simply for that one choice. Yes. So he can go through to the very subtle differentiation. But the big one is the events that are happening. He They're, they're under attack. He loses it. He he doesn't get it. The shield's up. They get damaged. Which, all right, I know that we're examining Alta Universe. I'm going to go on a little more Star Trek rant. Again, for the capital ship of the Federation fleet, man, their shields are garbage. And once again, <laughs> their proton torpedoes do not blow up the ship. Just... I know that the Federation is a peaceful alliance of explorers, but put some better weapons on your ships. For God's sakes, guys, you're going to get yourselves killed. What are you thinking? Well, it's the shields. It's the capital ship and your shields go down all the time. Well, instantaneously, they, yeah. the, the very first thing that happens is they're shot upon by the enemy, whoever yeah. it's going to be. And the next thing you go, shields are down by 35%. Yeah. Shields are down by... 78%. Yeah, get some better shields, guys. You can afford it. Money's no longer a concept, so why are you skimping on the design process? Come on. <laughs> Anyhow, rant over. Uh, but we get to sort of the largest change, and this is where I think it really gets into the meat of alternate possibilities for all the universes, is Worf shifts again in his room, and everything is moved around, but more importantly, Deanna comes in, and she's very familiar with him. 
and he, he it's it's a great scene he takes it he doesn't know where to go with it he just sort of freezes he just locks up he's a socially awkward guy at the best of times well he becomes absolute formal wharf well but it's it's more than that if you look at his body language he's frozen he doesn't know what to do he no. he can't tell her off Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what to do at all. He's he's he, he's like a very socially awkward person suddenly being presented with something that he just he he has no concept of and so he just shuts down right up until she actually kisses him and then he loses it. He's like what the hell is going on? And of course, now it turns out that they are married. And this is when he clocks it. He's like, "Okay, something incredibly weird is going on because he's like I could forget a lot of things like there's a whole side story with he maybe he had a concussion in the tournament that's why he doesn't remember things because in one universe he came eighth instead of first etc 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 but he's pretty sure he wouldn't forget being married to Troy no and if he had forgotten it he's in big trouble from Troy trust me exactly well she's not happy with the situation so they take this to an interesting place because he finds out in this sort of sojourn through pinballing through various universes that there are several universes where him and Deanna are married. Now we're going to skip around the bit to the end. This prompts him at the end of the episode to start trying to get more friendly with her. He's sort of because of him seeing himself as a possibility in this situation, he goes, well, Hey, maybe, you know, maybe this is something that could actually work out. So, you know, we describe that any choice you make sets up an alternate universe. So his going through these alternate universes is still just another version of him doing all that. It's still just a separate unit. He is taking his own separate universe with him through all these other ones, which then culminates in his decision-making process. So your alternate universes in the end and the decisions he makes carries right back to his own original universe and starts impacting that universe, which leads me to believe that all these universes are interconnected in some way. Yeah, exactly. Because in a way, because he goes through all of them and the things that he sees impacts his decision making in his own you can say that those universes have in effect become his yes because he spent time in them they affected him and therefore they changed his decision making process so so let's get metaphysical here they're not even then really alternates anymore because they're all in his personal timeline they're all still part of now what constitutes his universe precisely um you're left with the impression that perhaps every one of us contains every multiverse that's possibly out there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That it's uh, that a multiverse is perhaps any kind of multiverse is merely a sort of perception is whatever it is you perceive at the time. I was online, you know, as you often are, as we all are all the time. Yes. Uh, I forget exactly where I read this it's somewhere online, but someone basically stated the idea that your consciousness does not die because what happens is that it simply reaches various branching points in the alternate universe, in all the multiverse, where you hit a point where you either die or you don't, and your consciousness simply follows the path where you don't. And therefore, in a way, it's simply like various jumping from various branching universes because you're always running into the part where you did die, and in one universe, you do. But your particular consciousness is always following the paths of least resistance through all the ones that you don't. Yeah, and because, so functionally, it's immortal because it can keep, keeps continuing on. Precisely, because if you're saying that, yes, maybe we contain every universe no. within us, then you're simply 
enacting or moving into your your next universe that is already a part of you. You're you're not changing. You're still you. Yeah. You still have your consciousness, but it's moved slightly. And that's sort of what happens to him in this episode. Is he goes through like a rigmarole. In a way, he sort of hits reverse on what that could have been, but it's still essentially him following the line, just ha having hit and not even following, but having seen different points along that line where he could have possibly moved over. Yes. But didn't. And, uh, but then we get, we get the great visual where somehow they find the, the, the break in space where this occurred. And, uh, clearly the writers of this episode were big on like current quantum mechanics and quantum theory, because at the time in the early nineties, I believe it was when they started the concept of like vibration at a subatomic quantum level and how Precisely. that particular mm -hmm. vibration is constant in the universe and etc. This is how data sciences his way through figuring out he's not part of the universe is that he vibrates on a quantum level or vibrates on quantum level different than anything else. And that is the one sort of constant that cannot be reduced. So they just accept that. Okay. He must be from a different spot. And therefore, they they come up with science. They come up with science mumbo jumbo to be able to like f see through the hole and find where he's from. But they end up activating it in such a way that all possible enterprises begin to appear in their space. And there's a great line. Data says that the 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 rate of enterprise is increasing exponentially, and the entire sector will be completely filled with enterprises in three days. That's that's, right. that's a lot of enterprise. That's, that's a hell of a lot of enterprises, even in this initial breach where the enterprises start popping in. Within seconds, you're just surrounded by enterprises. Yeah, there's just enterprise every. Well, I think they say they say like, okay, we are receiving like seven hundred and eighty-three thousand. Yes, that's right. Hails or something like. Yeah. So I like that they lean into the idea that this it's not like oh you know the multi there's one universe and then it's right. the the dark universe. It's no there's an infinite number of them and they're all here. There's an infinite, there will be an infinite number of enterprises that eventually appear here. Like it's, it's a, in a sense, a universe ending catastrophe because even though space is infinite, so is the number of enterprises that are possible. And therefore all space will be enterprise. Well, it will just be nothing but enterprise. Exactly. Which is clearly well, a problem. It's, it's, well, it's an exponential thing too, because yeah you take one person, one person's decisions, and yeah. then you enter into all these different multiverses. But every single person within that particular universe, of course, is making their own in, uh, decisions, which yet impacts some some other part of the universe. So it just, you know, it increases Yeah, every single crew member on that ship has generated an infinite multiplicity of things, and there's a lot of them on that ship. So there's just an un incalculable number of possible enterprises that there are we see a couple of them uh well we only see two of them mm -hmm. we see Worf's original one in the the universe that unit war finds himself captain picard died facing the borg exactly um so we find his where picard is still very much alive and riker his the, their riker has a nice moment of like hey how's it going captain and then we see another one where a incredibly haggard riker where the borg win an incredibly haggard Riker has been almost completely destroyed, and he tries to kill Worf to stop them from resetting because he does not want to go back. Yes. And yeah, for obvious, uh, of course, that's the other possibility, right? If, so if there's so, an infinite number of things, there's going to be infinite number of very terrible places to come from as well. Precisely. So you're not looking at the one single, the good universe 
the alternate bad universe. Yeah. We're looking at... There's everything in between. Everything in between. All possibility. But there are some, obviously, that are not that great. Exactly. The, the, the one where the... And in fact, to the point where Riker, that Riker is willing to try and kill Worf and promptly gets blasted out of the sky by their own... So Riker commits sort of an act of suicide and murder at the same time and kills himself, uh, which is uh, must have been a straight... Which he... In fact, he glosses it over... Like they don't, re he doesn't really have a reaction to the fact that he just essentially blew himself up. Like I guess they've seen enough shit at this point. It's the end of the series. Like oh yeah, whatever, yeah. you know. Like how weird could this possibly be? But um, so one wonders when he blows up, when crazy wild haggard Riker blows up. So how does that impacting all the other universes again? Well, so they've all seen that. Out, out, out. Yeah, yep. of course. Everyone who was there has now seen that happen. They all know that was a possibility. So they're all going to go back with that. Well, it comes right back to what ends up happening with Worth. Having seen what is a possibility, he promptly then acts on it. They all see a possible universe where the Borg win and Riker's so haggard that he promptly tries to kill Worf. Surely that's going to impact the minds of every Picard, Riker, whoever, who witnessed that about future dealings with the Borg. And in fact, later on, of course, Picard gets really almost Captain Ahab-like about the Borg. And although they never mention it, maybe that one has an effect as well. He saw the possible... He sees both possible universe where he was dead because of them, where everything's fucked because of them. And it's like, okay, you know, clearly we this is something we have to deal with. But again, makes it all then, is it separate things or is it all just one infinite possibility? There's... Yeah, I, I, I think it leans more towards the second. That yeah. there's just infinite possibilities because one reacts with the other, reacts with the other. And even a stranger's decision change is going to impact what you do. My whole life changed because of a decision made by two people I didn't even know at the time. Mm -hmm. So it, it within my own life, I've slipped from one universe almost to another universe. I could have very well be experience, experiencing a multiverse within me. But you couldn't... You, you say that because of that decision they made, this is what happened to you. But it couldn't have happened any other way. Because this is where we are... Because this is where we are at that point... That is what has always happened to you. Yes. So there isn't, there so isn't were... a place where you, where that couldn't have happened to you. It couldn't have happened to a different you. Well, but for well, you, it, I, that that's getting perhaps that's getting a bit. Perhaps we need more weed before we get into that I, kind of discussion. I think so because now we're talking about manifest destiny and uh, yeah. all sorts of crazy things like that. By the way, for our international listeners, when I say that marijuana is now legal in Canada, so I am not advocating felonies of any kind keep everything legal but enjoy yourselves so on that note yeah we might need to smoke a bit more before we get into that kind of a discussion but it's just seems to me that saying their decision is what created your life now but that was always going to happen because that's always that's that's what unfolds in this yeah, universe but that's so now are you now, exactly are you talking about preordained destiny now no, I'm not talking about preordained destiny, but perhaps I'm talking about how our understanding of time is more immutable. It's not what you are going to do is not preordained, but what has happened was always going to happen because that's where we've always already had happen. Yeah. Yeah, our use of language for articulating that is not the greatest. I'll no. think about that and perhaps I think I'll there's, come back there's, to there's it. a piece of vocabulary in the English language that just quite can't quite cover it you might need to invent something yeah i'll come up with a word like uh 
I don't know. I'm not going to say it now, but I'll come up with something. Perfect. Yeah. And so I appreciate that they didn't go. They did a Star Trek alternate universes without going with the standard one, which they go back to a lot. And I mean, I get why they go back to that one. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Like they have some great times with it. They have some hilarious DS9 episodes where like Worf is the evil emperor or <laughs> like, you know, uh, all sorts of hilarious ones. They're just the original one is still great. Sulu fences people with a sword, like yep. stabs dudes. Mm-hmm. Spock is and it's it's hilarious. So I get why you keep going back to that. But it's nice that they attempted to explore sort of a different concept of what alternate realities can be the much more like quantum infinite branching yeah, style exactly. rather than the one just yeah it doesn't have to be the same old trope that they always yeah. fall back on yeah it's, it's it, it was a much more sort of sciencey take on an alternate universe Precisely, theory rather than just uh this is fun all the characters are bizarre yeah well i think it's going back to what you said quantum physics was really getting into gear about that time and so the writers are incorporating it into What's happening within yeah, the episode? Quantum physics, chaos theory, sexy, sexy Jeff Goldblum talking about <laughs> chaos theory, you know, like just things oh, like I that. Oh, I remember where, that. Yeah, yes, yeah, indeed. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> things like that we're getting into the public consciousness. We're getting so, and of course, if you're a writer on Star Trek, I'm pretty sure you're going to be on the bleeding edge of looking into like the newest sort of theoretical science. So I'm not at all surprised that someone took that idea and decided to run with it a bit. It's an interesting choice they made to have Worf as the character that it happens to. Just perhaps because he is so rigid and defined. Like he's, he, he has a very prescribed path that he follows. And so here is the most rigid character basically within them, except perhaps for data so it's very fascinating to see what happens to him. Yeah, he's. they must have gone at least a bit into it because he's the one who would be resistant to this kind of thing happening to him for longer than most of the characters. He takes a while to ease into the idea that this is something strange. Precisely. Um, he just spends all the time being puzzled. And well, he has a hard time articulating it as well. Yes. Uh, whereas, yeah, like you feel that if this was happening in Data, he would notice instantaneously... Uh, Or even some of the other characters would notice. Well, not notice is the wrong word because he notices very quickly, but would perhaps try and bring it up as as something other than just. Well, exactly, because it's really not a concept within his civilization. And even though it was brought up with um, non Klingon parents, he he still has very much the Klingon sensibility. Yeah, so which... it, it it's notice the phenomena, remark on the phenomena, yeah. but are you really going to spend time conceptualizing and thinking, well, what really is going on? Yeah, no, you're not. Exactly. So He doesn't speculate. He's a tactician. Yeah, exactly. Even though he's the tactician that constantly gets beaten down. Are you aware of the wharf effect? No, I am not aware of the wharf effect. Okay. Please explain. I would like to explain. It's not technically something to do with alter universes but i i want to hear your take on this because it'll be fun so the wharf effect is now sort of an established trope in television which is so you have a badass character yeah wharf so how do you demonstrate that a bad guy is a real badass you have them kick the ass of the badass character in this case wharf so you know like the borg like punches wharf and he goes flying this that and the other the problem is when you do that too much, the badass character is no longer a badass because every Tom, Dick, and Harry bad guy that shows up on the Enterprise 
beats the crap out of Worf all the time. <laughs> Worf gets true. thrown to the, despite the fact that he's supposedly this badass warrior, hardcore dude, he gets thrown to the floor all the time. And so in the end, he's not a badass character at all because everyone kicks the shit out of yeah, him. Yeah, you're expecting someone to come and kick the shit out of him. And, and it, yeah, so that has now become the Worf effect, and it is attributed to other characters throughout fiction now as well, of just that is the Worf effect. The Worf effect is when you have your guy established as a badass, so how you establish other people's having them fight him, but it ends up making him just look ridiculous. Yeah, well, like, it, it, you transmute your character this yeah, way. Yeah, exactly, because if, if you think back to the amount of times that Worf gets beaten down in the show, it's a lot. He, get, he goes to the floor... He. I believe the expression is he boldly goes to the floor a lot. <laughs> it's very sad. So, but, but lucky for him, there are alternate universes in all of those where he won all of those fights. Precisely. And can still be the big badass. Yes, somewhere in the multiverse, every single one of those fights where he got his ass handed to him, he won in another one. Precisely. And he got to keep the big shiny trophy. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he still, yes, he did get to keep the big shiny trophy fee for the Batleth fighting, which is the dumbest weapon in fictional history. It looks like it's a the... cross between an old-fashioned scythe and um, part of a rocking arm for a cradle. I've talked about this before, but if you look at it objectively, the Batleth is the most useless weapon in history. Well, it you doesn't have... have a sharp edge, as far as I can see. It does, but you have to use both hands. The sharp, the points mean that most of the sharp edge is almost impossible to hit anyone with, because it's further away from someone than the points. The points, and it's just incredibly unwieldy. It would be almost impossible to block anything well... coming at you. Any any idiot, any half-trained guy with a sword would cut an idiot with a batless head off without breaking a sweat. Like, it just wouldn't be a problem. Well, luckily, they're all fighting with batlets. Not only that, but there's this also universe where phasers exist. But anyways, that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, but then again, maybe there's a universe where the Klingons realize that the batleth is a moronic weapon and came up with a better one. Yeah, yeah. There's got I'd like to, be. to see that. I'd, it would be very interesting to see what the better batleth is. Well, maybe they would go to Earth and study history and say, hey, this sword thing, wow, that would work way better. You still have another hand free. You can reach out and stab people. Wow, this is amazing. Let's all adopt swords. And instead of like... The stupid Batleth tournaments, you have Klingons with, like, Claymores or something. Now, that's something I would watch. I would watch a yeah. Klingon-Claymore fight any day of the week. Big broadswords. Klingons just whacking away at each other with yeah, nine-foot swords. Braveheart with Klingons. Mm -hmm. It's already established that, um, you know, various Earth media has been translated. In Star Trek V, of course, the... Um, the Christopher Plummer, who's playing the Klingon general, says, you know, you haven't seen um, Macbeth until you've seen it in its original Klingon or something like that. Yeah, he's, he says you have you, do, you can't have an appreciation of Shakespeare. You can't have an appreciation of, I believe it's Macbeth until you've seen it in its original Klingon. I think so, because yeah. Macbeth is among the bloodiest. So. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, clearly then take that concept, run with it. Why not Braveheart? Klingon Braveheart. Everyone's wearing kilts. Everyone's got everyone's got claymores. You've got Klingon Mel Gibson yelling that you can take our lives, you can't take our freedom. It would be fantastic. So, I would watch that. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, I think I'd like to see Worf running around with a kilt. Oh, there we go. Now we're getting into something else entirely. Yes. 
Really? Mm-hmm. Worf? Oh. Worf in a kilt. Yeah, yep. He's just such... He's he's bringing it back to previous seasons. We've discussed Worf at some depth, and he's a fairly useless dude in the end. At least when it comes to relationships. He's, like, jealous. He's controlling. He's terrible. He's not a good... It, it it doesn't come out so much in the next generation. Uh, he features much more heavily in Deep Space Nine, and he has a long term relationship with the a most awesome character in Deep Space Nine, Dax. And he's consistently right. annoying. He's consistently terrible. Well, but he's, it, he's the ultimate misogynist. Yeah, right? but again, maybe there's another there's another uh, to go back to it again. There's probably an infinite number of universes where he's not nearly that annoying to Dax, and I can be much happier in the continuation of their relationship, knowing that he's not that terrible in that particular universe. Yeah. So you know, Worf, just like try and embody some of your better decision making skills. And yeah, you can't you can't just sit back and be a victim of your Klingon circumstances. Yeah, exactly. You gotta follow the like alt- You gotta follow the universal path, which takes you somewhere further than that. And now that you've seen that that's possible, because all things for you are possible, clearly that's something you should be doing. Precisely. The theory that particular quantum theory hasn't really changed much since then. Um, as far as I'm aware, like in terms of its actual application for people who are considering it as something that happens in the real world. I mean, not in our real world, obviously, because we can't see alternate universes, but the idea of a multiverse as a thing that exists, I don't think that has changed radically since that particular topic was brought up. Not radically, but um, I'm not quite clear about string theory and how it introduces, but that's sort of a whole new area of it isn't it where there's there's linkage through yes uh i'm not familiar enough with the theory to know however i'm not sure if string theory is referring to universes or just referring to like matter in our particular space it refers to matter in our space but i think there's conjecture that with string theory the matter in our space may have connection to matter in alternate spaces, alternate universes. Now, I could be talking out of the top of my tall silk hat, but this is what I seem to remember reading. For those that are unaware, that means talking out of your ass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've just been dated. So, think about that. Maybe, what, what would you say the underlying takeaway of this concept of alternate universes is? Like, because it differs every time. So how, how the writers are approaching alternate universes in this particular episode, what do you think the takeaway from that is? I think the takeaway is that we do not necessarily have to follow a rigid path. Mm-hmm. That the takeaway is there are infinite possibilities within your own universe and I think it's embodied by Worf cozying up to Diana, mm-hmm. Diana, when he gets back. Okay. You see, so I take the opposite view of that because if there's an infinite number of possibilities, it means there's no such thing as a rigid path. Any decision that you make is always going to be the one you make because it's always an infinite number of decisions that you were going to do. So a rigid path isn't a th- a rigid path isn't possible or the rigid path is the only thing that's possible because you can't you can't all like rigid path implies that okay well i don't have to always take these same decisions but you always have to make a decision yes this and is and the true. decision that you make is the one that's always going to be the one that you follow in your universe okay but then to me it sounds like you're saying 
that there's uh we're all living on fate or it's all preordained. No, and, because you're making the mistake of saying a rigid path is a predetermined. Yes. Is I is I'm saying a predetermined path, but I'm saying any path that you take, perhaps we're just looking at it differently. You're looking at the future. I'm saying that looking at any path in the past will always look like a rigid path. It's impossible not to take a rigid path because if you look at any path you have ever taken in your life, there was no matter decision. what choices yeah. that you made, it's always rigid because those are always choices that you already made. Yes. Every every path is rigid because it has all already been taken. So any path is always seen as rigid, but that doesn't mean that the future is rigid, but it will always end up being rigid because uh, this yeah, this yeah, is sort of Yeah, I think that it, it gets kind of circular because um you're presented with the choice and you 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 make a decision. So then the question is, okay, you make this decision, which is going to move your universe forward this way. However, if you made that decision, is there any impact on any of the decisions you made in the past? You're saying no. Uh, well, of course not. No. They already happened. Yeah, true enough. True enough. Any path, any path will always look rigid when looking at it behind. Retrospectively, Retrospectively. Yes. Which means I, I see that what you're saying. inevitably, because... If we take the concept that all time is happening now, all the time, if all possible universes are within us and are always happening, that means that our path is always rigid because the universe that we that could be happening has, in another sense, already happened. <laughs> Again, more marijuana, folks. We'll get yes, back to you I, on that I, one. I think so. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on, Mom. Well, I really enjoyed or it. Or Debbie. I'm not going to call you Debbie. Your mom. Yeah. Uh, I'll always be your mom. But yes, but thank you very much for coming on. That's very, that's fun of you to come and join me. Well, I had a good time and I'm going back and rewatching some Star Trek. Yeah, there you go. Excellent. Uh, I would suggest you do the same. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining me on this inaugural episode of the Rocketman Explorers. Uh, I hope that we uh, melted your brain just a bit. And Annette, please... Write us in. Let us know what you think. Okay, deterministic universe or not? If if everything happens at the same time, does that mean that everything is always predetermined or not? Not our usual requests for uh, feedback, but I think I would have some good times if uh, any of you had anything interesting to say with that. So please um, follow, like, subscribe, rate us on um, iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere that you can that you listen to your podcasts, and you can follow me. We've got a new social media handle. So you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RocketmanTFGC. Thank you very much, and have yourselves a great night, day, or whenever it is that you're listening. In your universe. Indeed. This has been a Two Finger Guns Club production. Pew, pew.